Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I'm continuing this series this week. The second week is The Race. And if you missed last week, I, I encourage you to go back. You can podcast those. You can watch those online, whatever. But this week's uh, title is Practice. So last week we talked about what is the race? Why are we in the race? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Last week one of the things I said was our race, running God's race for us, is a marathon. It's not a continual sprint where we start and stop, start and stop. It's a continual uh, marathon. Are there any marathon runners in here? Anybody ever run a marathon? <laughs> okay, well, maybe some of you online have. I, I think I did one time, uh, let's see, or was it a half a marathon? Now I'm thinking that I dreamed this. I didn't actually run this, okay? Does that count for anything? But I looked online, and I, I, I was trying to figure out how long it would take to prepare for a marathon. And there were different uh, ideas, and one said from couch to marathon was like six months. So if you've been sitting on your sofa, watching TV, eating popcorn, <laughs> eating ice cream, if you started to, to begin to prepare, it would take you six months to prepare for that marathon. And when we think about a race, any kind of race, not necessarily just a marathon, but it requires commitment, time, and work. And I don't know if you've ever started an exercise program or at the beginning of the year you say, we're going to start exercising. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm tired today or it's raining. Okay, well, put on your running shoes. Let's go. You know, it takes a commitment. And so when we're talking about running God's race, it requires the same commitment, time and work. My first point this morning is a true believer running God's race should be a priority. And this morning, I thought this, this was missing two words. It should say at the end, for you. <laughs> As a true believer, running God's race should be a priority for you. If, not, if his race is not a priority for you, do you think it's going to be a priority for your children, your grandchildren, those that you're leading? Because we've talked about how do children learn, but how do, how do people learn that are watching you by example, example, an example. And so what is the race that we're running? What are we exampling and modeling to others? James 1.21 says, So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. Imagine that you're, you're, you're running a race, or you're going to run a race, and you put a backpack on that weighs like 50 pounds. You're not going to do very well in that race, probably. You're going to get worn out. You're, you're not going to do well. The world's agenda is to normalize ungodly behavior. So don't get drawn into that trap. Because the things that we're seeing on TV, the things that we're seeing in the media, on the news, they're trying to normalize things. They're trying to say, this is normal. Ungod this ungodly behavior and these ungodly lifestyles are normal. They're not normal. There's an agenda that's being projected onto the society and unfortunately, some Christians are getting sucked right into it. So let's not normalize what God says is abnormal. 
or evil or wicked. Ephesians 2.10, you know the scripture, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So when we come to Christ, he's making us new. We've been redeemed. We've been delivered from our previous trash that we were dragging around. We're made new. We're not recycled. He's not just taking something old and recycling it or melting it down. He's he's made us new. And so there should be a freshness and a newness. We're created new in Christ Jesus, not by our own efforts or the things that we've done. It's Christ changing our lives. That's why I love Romans 12 too so much. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's a renewal that takes place. There's being made new. James 1, 22, let me, uh, 1, 21 and 22. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. So who's, who's to get rid of the evil and, and, and the junk in our lives? Well, we, we ask the Lord to help us, but we're the ones that make those decisions. What are we watching? What are we listening to? We've talked about this before. There's a pornography epidemic in this nation, really in this world. When 50% of evangelical pastors are looking at pornography on a regular basis, is it any wonder it's not being addressed in the pulp, from the pulpit and people are not talking about it? Is it any wonder that there's little power in the church today when you've got people that are in, engaged in evil and filth in their lives? So if it impacts us individually, do you think it impacts the church? What is the church made out of? People. It's us. We are the church. And so the action is to eliminate filth and evil in our life and allow God's Word to grow in our hearts. And the results are, let me finish James 1.21, for it has the power to save your souls. I think this is one of the most impactful scriptures in the Bible. The power to save our souls. When we... When we get saved, when we say, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and my life, our spirit man connects with the Lord, okay? So we're saved, and, and, and we, we, our spirit is connected with him. The problem is our soul, our mind, our will, our intellect, our passions, our thought processes, those kinds of things. That's what needs to be saved. And so as we connect with the, with the Lord, the, the Lord begins to renew our mind. The Lord begins to bring health and healing and and wholeness to our wounded, broken areas in our life that maybe we've been struggling with all of our life. Maybe the, the culture we, we grew up in, maybe we grew up in a single family, we didn't have a father figure, maybe we were always put down, maybe we have been dealing with rejection all of our life. Whatever those things look like, those have an impact in how we live our life. And so God wants to not just get us to heaven, but he wants to save our soul that we can be free, that we can walk in freedom and liberty and live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. James 1.22, you know this one, don't just listen to God's word, period. Do you hear me? <laughs> don't just listen to God's word. How many times have you been reading scripture 
How many of you are reading Proverbs every day? All right, okay, all right. Have you ever been reading the Scripture and you're reading and you're like, wait, wait, what did I just read? I have no idea what I read. <laughs> okay, so we're reading, but are we really listening? And so are we, are we just going through the motions or are we taking God's Word and are we really listening? But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. So are we taking the Word and are we applying it to our lives? Are we going out and living it? Or are we just going through the motions? You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. Have you ever talked to somebody and, and, and you begin to talk to them about their relation, relationship with the Lord and they're like, well, I read the Bible. Well, do you do the Bible? <laughs> I remember one time we went to Ikea and we bought this product. I don't know what it was, a desk or something. Got it back. I read the instructions. I'm like, this is not working. I took it apart, put it back in the box, and drove all the way across town and took it back. You can read the instructions, but if you don't follow the manual, if you don't follow the instructions, so? I read the Bible. I've read the Bible five times. What does your life reflect? Do you do what the Bible says? <laughs> 1 John 5, 3-5, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So, loving God means keeping His commandments. So, if I don't keep His commandments, do I still love God? Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So, you know, some people will say, well, it's just too much to try to keep up with all the things the Bible says. But listen, when we have this relationship, it's, it's not a burden. Those, those uh, directions and instructions are for us, for our life. And so if, if you say, well, um, you know, it's burdensome that I can't rob a bank. Well... For those of us that don't rob a bank, it's not a burden. It's a protection for us. It's a guideline. It's a boundary. I remember when I was growing up, I had a go-kart. And they had, they had this thing on there called a governor. And what a governor does is it, it limits how fast you can go. But you could break the law, and you could take that governor off, and then you could go faster. Well, the laws are like governors for us. They keep us in the boundaries. And I remember going to Six Flags, uh, obviously, a long time ago, and you could get in those little cars and you could drive them, and they had like a rail down the center where you could let the steering wheel go and you would never crash into the wall because that thing would guide you, right? You could only go so far. So even if you got in one of those cars and took your hands off the steering wheel, you would go to the destination but you would never crash. And so that's kind of what the law, that's what God gives us boundaries so that we'll stay within these boundaries so we don't crash. You stay in these boundaries, they're good. You get outside of the boundaries, they're, they're not good. So 
Um, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. So we live in an evil world. We live in, in a world where sinners sin. People that don't know the Lord, well, they're not following God's laws and, and what he, he asks us to do, what he places in, in our path so that we can stay on the right path. But we have victory through our faith. Through Christ, we have victory. And John goes on to write here, And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So through this relationship, we're being led and guided by the Holy Spirit, not in a religious way or a legalistic way. Yes, there are laws that we should obey. Don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal, you know, those kinds of things. Honor God for our protection. But it's through the, the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit that really guides us. Because there's a lot of freedom, right? There's, there's freedom even to go break the law. If you want to go rob a bank, you can do that. But there are consequences when you get caught. So my first point is, as a true believer, running God's race should be a priority. And let me add, for you, because let's make this personal. And my second point is, your race matters. Your race matters. Some begin to be trained as a child. And some don't come into this relationship with the Lord until they get older. But... It's about us, whenever we come into this relationship, we're yielding to God and we're saying, hey, take my life, fix my broken life and lead me and guide me and help me to run the race that you designed for me. God tells Jeremiah, he says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. So God knew us before we were formed in the womb. He had a purpose and a plan for you before you were even you. <laughs> Or anybody knew that you were you except for God. Your life is influential. Every person has influence. What is the influence you have? Is it good or bad? Is it for the Lord or is it for other motives or reasons? Why does your race matter? It affects others whether you know it or not. We're all going to leave behind a legacy of some kind. We're all impacting and influencing others on some level. Proverbs 29:18 says, "When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful." It's not it's it's not about religious and uh, keeping the law. It's about this relationship. Let's go back to slide number 11. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So if we're, if we're, listen, if we're not breaking the law, it's not a problem. It's only a problem when we break the law, right? <laughs> so my point that I'm trying to make this morning is that God has a race for you. But he, it, it takes discipline. It takes obedience. He's the trainer. And if he says, okay, well, I want you to do this. I want you to run bleachers today. Oh, I hate running bleachers. Okay, well, you need to. God is for us. God is for you. He's not against you. 
And he wants you to, to run this race and, and run it well. But he is the coach. Now let's look at Proverbs 29, 18 in the message. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. It's God's desire to bless us, to see us walk in liberty and freedom and health and healing and wholeness on every, every, every area of our life. Proverbs 29, 18 in the New American Standard Bible says, the first part of it says, where there is no vision, the people are, are unrestrained. So if you don't have a vision, where are you going? Kind of like the saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Our race begins with the vision. We need to hear. We need to see. We need to believe. We need to prepare. We need to obey and move according to his vision for us individually, but also corporately. Because God has given all of us a, a vision, but when you're a part of, of Life Fellowship, your vision is part of the overall vision. Because what you're doing, what God is placing in you, what God is giving you is important to the rest of the body. So he's giving us a vision individually, but he's also given us a vision corporately. And I, I haven't talked about it in a while, so I want to I talk about it for a few minutes. What's the mission of Life Fellowship? To develop, maintain a model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's what God has called this church to do, for us to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Because I believe at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And then our vision or the results of that is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And so God has already opened up doors. He's opening up doors He's opened up doors for us to not only minister in our community here, like we did a couple of weeks ago at the Chemo Boardwalk, right? That was reaching out to our community, but also globally. And when we have, when we have this intimate, personal relationship with Christ, we can't help but share the hope and the love of Christ with others because it's in us. It's not an external thing. Oh, I turn it on. Okay, now I have intimacy with Christ. I'm going to turn it on now. Okay, it's Friday night. Oh, I'm, let me turn that thing off. I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to go to the club. I'm going to go do whatever, right? But it's in us because we have this connection. We have this relationship with him that's authentic. It's not perfect, right? Is anybody perfect here? No. <laughs> But God has given us this mandate. He's given us this mission and this vision. And then our core scripture, you've heard before, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, but I'm going to read past that a little bit. But our core scripture is now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Is the church still in existence today? Are they still relevant today? Yes, they are. The apostles, the prophets evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And why did he give these gifts to the church? Their responsibility, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So my primary role is to lead and feed, is to hear from God, say, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? 
where, where are we at in this vision that God is leading us to? That you're leading us to? Where, how do you want me to train and equip? And so we do that on Sunday morning. We do that through life groups. We do that through relationship building, friendships. We pray at the property every Wednesday. You guys have relationships with one another, and so you'll call or text, encourage or whatever. And so that's how we're being trained and equipped to build up the church, to build one another up, because you are the church. (laughs) We are the church, and we need to be encouraged and strengthened. We need to be challenged sometimes. Say, man, I I feel like I'm high-centered here. I, I need to get off high center. I'm compromising or I'm thinking about compromising. No, no, no. Come on. Let me encourage you. Stay on course. Continue to run the race, God's race that he has for you. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, that we become mature, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And so... This verse continues, these scriptures continue on. That's really kind of where our, our, our core scripture ends, but really it doesn't. It keeps going because these are the results of the training in verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. The Lord wants us to grow up. The Lord wants us to be mature. The Lord wants us to be prepared for what he wants to do. But he's looking for people that he can trust. He's looking for mature believers that are connected with him, that are hearing, that are seeing, that are are really listening, not only just hearing, but taking to heart what God is saying and then living this thing out because there's a lost and dying world out there that he cares about. And he cares about us too that we would grow and we would become more mature. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We're going to be solid. We're not going to buy into the lies and, and the things that culture or the world would try to present to us and say, oh, let's normalize this. No, no, wait a minute. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not what the Word means. That's not how I'm going to live. And when we, when we face situations where people are, are trapped in those kinds of things, we can help them. But listen, we, we can't help them if, if, if we're stuck in the, in the ditch with them. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. The world is going to try to say, oh, well, what about this? Doesn't this make sense? Well, well, well let's look at what, what's the heart behind this thing. Is this thing really to help people, or is there an agenda here, an ungodly agenda that you're promoting? Because sometimes things can really sound good, and then you begin to drill down into it, and you're like, that's not so good. That's, that's not godly. That's not God's heart. And so we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. 
Are you speaking the truth in love with grace? Do you know people that need to have the truth spoken into their lives in love? Oh, well, I don't want to say anything because I might offend them. And then you find out a week or a month or two months later they've overdosed. When God was speaking to you and saying, hey, you need to go, you need to go confront this in your brother or your sister, well, they're not, they're not saved. Well, okay. As long as there's breath, there's hope. <laughs> Do we love people enough to tell them the truth with grace and love? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Again, God wants to see us grow up. It's, amaz- it's amazing to, to see how many Christians don't know the Word of God. They've been in church for decades. You know what, what's even more astounding to me sometimes is people know the Word. <laughs> and choose to ignore the word. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. It would be good for you because they look out for your soul and they will be accountable. I'm going to stand accountable to God for this church. So you can bet that I'm going to teach you the word. (laughs) And if you get offended, well, you get offended. But when I stand before God, I want to stand there and say, Lord, I gave them your word and purity. I didn't compromise. I didn't live a compromised life. I yielded to you. But we're all going to stand before him one day and give an account. But I'm going to have to give an account for this role. And I'll tell you, that's a very sobering thought. And not only am I doing this because I'm going to be held accountable, because I love you. I care about you. It it breaks my heart when I see people that are in and out or struggling or not yielding to the Lord. I'm not happy about that. I'm heartbroken. I cry. (laughs) I cry over people. I'm disturbed sometimes because I see the effects not only in their lives but in the lives of other people around them and their families. We should have that kind of heart toward people because that's God's heart toward us. That's that's God's heart toward these other people. And if, if we say that we're ambassadors, representatives of God, then we should have the same heart. He goes on to say in verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. So you need us and we need you because you're part of this body. And so God makes us fit together perfectly. So as we're running our race, somebody else is running their race. Maybe it's a you know, a relay where we're handing off or whatever. But we need one another. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
when we begin, sometimes I think that we don't see things properly. Sometimes I think we're like this. We've got these filters. Oops, sorry. We can kind of see. We can kind of see. But as God begins to take off these filters, then we're seeing as he sees. We may not have the total vision that God has, but we can see more. But if we're, if we're so consumed with ourself, if we're siloed off where everything is all about me, we're not seeing God's vision. We're not seeing as he's seeing. So our own special work helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So my first point is, as a true believer, running God's race should be a priority for you. Your race matters. My third point is, as you yield to God, you become a better runner. Because, again, he is the trainer. He knows what's best for us. Have you ever said, Lord God, you've told me that this is going to happen, and I'm ready for it to happen, but it hadn't happened yet. Well, maybe you're still in training. Maybe you're not ready to go to that other level or, or whatever that may be. Listen, he is the trainer. He's the orchestrator. He is the one that's in control. And he, he, turns, he turns the heart of the king as he desires. He gives favor. But are we listening? Are we yielding to him? Are we allowing him to lead us and guide us? Acts 20, 24 it says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. All these other things don't really matter if I'm not finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's the work that God has given us to tell others about the wonderful grace of God. And, and you know that, uh, what do they say, nonverbal is like 90% of our conversation or whatever it is, right? So it's not just talking about it. It's going out and living this thing out. Do what God's Word says. Even though I am a free man, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, 19-27. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I live like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, the non-Jews, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I may bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So if he was with people and they said, no, we, we're, you know, we're not going to eat meat or we're not going to do certain things, well then, you know, hey, I can, I can adapt to that. I mean, we do that sometimes. 
Maybe your spouse or somebody you're with, they want to go see a movie, and you're like, I don't want to go see that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go see that movie. You want some popcorn? (laughs) Why do we do that? Because we're like, hey, you know what? I want to honor them. It's okay. And so Paul is not talking about compromise at all. He's not saying, well, I, you know, They want to go break the law. I'll go break the law with them. They want to, you know, he's not saying any of that. He's saying, I'm not compromising, but I'm adapting because the important thing is I want to see people come to Christ. I want to build a relationship with them. I had a guy over at the house last week. Our garage door needed a repair. And it's amazing the opportunity that you have just to share with people, right? And and if you're around me very long, I'm probably going to be talking about my relationship with the Lord. Or I may ask you, hey, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. And it's a great opportunity. So he's working on the springs on the garage door, and I'm handing him a screwdriver, and we're talking about Jesus. And I said, he, he talked about the situation that he has, a medical condition. And I said, do you believe God heals today? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't really think so. I don't know. And I said, well, I do. And there's an example of that in the Bible. And we prayed for people and seen people get healed from all kinds of things. And I said, would it be okay if I, if I prayed with you? He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. So I begin to pray for him. And as I'm praying, he said, and, oh, and for my knees too. And, uh, and my sister-in-law. <laughs> so we prayed for his knees too. I prayed for his knees too and, and his sister-in-law. So I don't know what seeds were planted, but I said, I said, when God heals, I said, if God, and then I changed my mind. I said, if God, and I said, no, when God heals you, I want you to shoot me an email, and I want to rejoice with you. But there are people that claim to be Christian that don't even believe God heals. They don't, I mean, why would you, why would you even pray, you know? You've got a malady, oh, too bad, you're going to die. <laughs> See you in heaven, maybe. You know, I don't know. But Paul is saying, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. New believers, young in their walk and in faith. So we need to be teaching them accordingly. We took the day off yesterday and went to Galveston, and we're talking to a young man that's, that's growing in his relationship. And we were encouraging him. He may be watching online. Hey, Christian, what's up? But so we we look at people and we allow the Holy Spirit to help us evaluate where people are, to help them grow. That's our role. That's part of our role. And we have tremendous opportunity in the church and outside the church. But we need to we need to be prepared. We need to be trained. We may be, we, we need to be willing to get up and get out of bed even when we're tired. We need to get up and put on our shoes even when it's raining and saying, I'm committed to this race that God has called me to. And not only am I going to run the race, but I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to complete the course that He's given to me to run. Because I know that when I obey, He's partnering with me to touch and change lives and see people get saved. 
Paul goes on to write, Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Not everyone is going to get saved. I remember my mom used to tell me, when you talk with someone, talk about things that they're interested in. And I don't know if I should share this or not. (laughs) But one of our neighbors, the neighbor that tried to steal our cat, remember that neighbor? Uh, I was talking to Miss Owsley one day, and I said, uh, she was talking about her cats, and I said, uh, yeah, I know you have a bunch of cats. Sometimes my dad traps your cats and takes them off. <laughs> I, I thought she would have an interest in that, uh, but they had a bunch of feral cats, and so I guess my dad would take them down to the pound or, you know, somewhere. I don't know. That's probably not a very good story to share, but um, anyway, let's, let's just, uh, you know, Talk with people on, about things they're interested in, all right? Don't take, talk to them about hauling their cats off. But, um, but Paul, my point is that Paul, <laughs> Lord forgive me, my, my point is that Paul would talk to people on their level. He would talk to them about things that would interest them. And most people are, are mainly interested in themselves, and if you just talk to people, people will begin to open up if they know that you're a safe person and that, that, you, that you care about them, that you really care about their life. And he says, I find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So I'm sharing the good news. I'm praying for this man that he be healed. That would be a blessing to him. Talking to him about his relationship with the Lord. We see Paul's uh, heart here. It's not to impress. And Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Memorized thousands, probably thousands of scriptures. Knew the law. Religious leader. Steeped in that, all that Pharisaical religion and all that. And he's not trying to impress me. Well, let me quote uh, the book of Deuteronomy to you. Let me quote these scriptures to you. He's like, no, let me meet you where you are because I want to introduce you to this man, Christ. I want you to have a relationship with him. And he shared so that others could understand. I remember in organic chemistry, the professor I had, he, 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 was, a, a, he was not a good teacher. He was not a good professor because he, wanted, he was trying to impress everybody with what he knew. I don't care about that. I work with PhDs. I'm not impressed by you. I want to learn the material. And so is our heart to see people really come into this relationship, or are we trying to impress somebody? 1 Corinthians 9.24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I want to win the race that God has given me to run. I'm not in competition with someone else. As we just read, we work together. We help one another. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So we're not running for a gold medal or a trophy. We're running for an eternal prize. 
So I run, the, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. You know what shadow boxing is? It's where boxers get together. They're just, they're shadow boxing. They're not hitting anything. But that's part of their training. And Paul's saying, I'm not just, you know, punching air. I'm not just walking through, going through the motions. I'm actually in the race. I'm not sitting on the bench. I'm not sitting on the sofa watching the race. I'm in the race. And that's what God wants for us to do. Get in the race. Put on your shoes, man. Let's get going. So I run with purpose in every step. There's strategic, deliberate intention behind what he's doing. And in order to do that effectively, we need to know what the coach is saying. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Okay, so he's, he's relating uh, track and running to his body. So how do we train for spiritual things? We're not lifting weights, but we're praying. We're seeking God. We're listening. We're yielding to him and choosing to obey what he says. That's how we're training when we're in a tough situation, let me say it this way. Sometimes God will put us in a tough situation because we need to know how to handle that. How are we going to handle it when we get into this neighborhood and we have to deal with uh, drug addicts that are seriously lost and addicted to drugs? How are we going to handle that? The word that PC, Pastor Christine, read this morning talked about God is not going to do things in the normal way. And I remember, it was probably a couple of months back, I said, are you okay if God does something powerful, but it doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like? Are you really okay with that? Or, or do we try to put God in a box and say, well, it has to look like this. Ministry is messy sometimes because people are messy. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's about our heart. Do, do we care more about the person than the way they're dressed? Do we really love people? He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might, myself might be disqualified. Let's not get so focused on other things that we lose track of our race and what God's called us to do. As a true believer, running God's race should be a priority for you. Your race matters. As you yield to God, you become a better runner. God wants us to be trained and equipped so that we go out and, and run our race, but also that we're able to train and equip others. Paul says, imitate me. He says that in one of his letters. He said, do what I do. Follow me. Let me be an example. And God is calling us today to be an example. 